0: Hello, folks. This is Dr. William Curtis with the WFO Live Podcast, Energy Tribe, and Future Focus Family Medicine. I have a COVID 19 update I want to give to you because in recent weeks, uh, actually just in the last few days, we have seen easing of restrictions across the United States and across the world. Uh, Now that we have uh, at least better access to testing, we're starting to see um, different numbers and we're starting to see a um, better picture of the overall scope of the pandemic. I have a few things I want to anecdotally point out and uh, cautions that I want to give you. So this won't take very long, but I thought it was an important update based on my observations clinically. First thing I want to point out is that despite global easing of restrictions, I think it's some people get a misconception of what's going to happen. COVID-19, or the the SARS uh, virus, is not going to go away. It's still going to be present. And I'll make the case that it probably was present well before even the, quote, pandemic was identified. This virus will continue to be circulating amongst people. It will continue to um, infect people, as it has done. And as you will see, I believe you're going to see that you will still see cases spike um, when we ease restrictions. I I also believe that um, the case there's a couple of case and points. Um, First off, my clinic is in South Texas, uh, Corpus Christi in particular. And we honestly in our county did not really have, during the peak of the epidemic, we really didn't have any significant spike like you would see, say, in New York or San Antonio or Houston. We were a quiet area as far as COVID-19 goes. Part of that was due to our county officials locking things down as quickly as they could acting efficiently. Uh, but part, partly as Corpus Christi is just out of the way, uh, we're not on the main thoroughfare. You have to want to come here. We're not on the main highway as far as a, a, you know, a pass-through location, say like a San Antonio or a Houston, where it's a pass-through or area where lots of people are going through there from one place to another. So it's just not on a high-density uh, area of, of uh, thoroughfare. But the things that you need to keep in mind about this is that the virus is still in our community. Case in point, two things that I think are very interesting. The first is uh, a case I just heard about yesterday. There was a student at a local high school um, that uh, the parents uh, identified that that mid-February of 2020, this patient uh, had a respiratory illness. And it was a strange illness because this patient was very healthy and uh, the athlete and uh, student just continued going to school um, and uh, even went on bus trips and things like that and really, honestly, didn't really even was too concerned about it other than it seemed like a strange illness that required steroids and antibiotics and even an inhaler. They got past it, they're better, they're well, and life goes on. Fast forward two months, that same patient ends up with... um, uh, getting an IgG testing for COVID-19, and it's positive. It's the only time the patient's been sick in recent months. So one would conclude uh, from that that either the patient was asymptomatically exposed to COVID-19 in recent weeks, or that illness back in February was actually COVID-19. So that's concerning because that means uh, that it was already in our community. It just It's either not widespread or not as deadly as people let on. Um, second thing is medically speaking, um, uh, in, in our uh, our clinic, we have only seen one case uh, prior to uh, yesterday where um, we knew of one of our patients that actually had COVID-19. Uh, this was not diagnosed by our clinic, but by a hospital team. And then we uh, helped them on a periphery uh, through telemedicine uh, treating them. The Uh, Just yesterday, after restrictions had been lifted, we actually diagnosed our own case, reported it to the CDC. Um, We did that through telemedicine. We had the patient come to the clinic uh, and stay outside in their vehicle. We gowned up and swabbed them and sent them home for self-quarantine. Sadly, that patient has other people that live at home with them. So the reality is that one case may become four cases. But the point I'm making with explaining this is that A, There's evidence that the virus has already been in our community for a very long time, well before the quote, you know, big restrictions were put in place. That's good and bad. The good part of that is probably a a large portion of the population have already been exposed, are already well, and possibly even have antibodies. Time and testing will tell. The second thing about that is that medically speaking, and people ask me a lot about this, oh, are we safe now? Are we okay now? Medically speaking, it makes no sense that COVID-19 is gonna go anywhere. It's going to decrease in frequency after um, the, as the summer ensues, but it'll probably re-spike just like the flu season does. So I believe it's something we have to be constantly vigilant for. But I think the data that we're starting to see, and this is one doctor's opinion, This I am not the CDC. This is one man's opinion based on my daily readings and based on my clinical experiences and based on my 20 years of medical uh, practice. I think that there are particular populations of people that are at risk. The deaths, the things that we're most concerned with are are actually in a, in a fairly narrow band of, of people in the world. First off, it's people who are greater than 80 years old. Certainly cases greater than 65 are at higher risk, but the people that are actually dying are in nursing homes and 80 plus years of age that is that's generally true across the board in all major epicenters these people also had pre-existing conditions almost universally okay even the cases where you're hearing oh i heard a young person you know got it you know somebody less than 50 yep and i guarantee you most in most of those situations, they had one or more pre-existing conditions, and you should ask what pre-existing conditions: type two diabetes, heart disease, congestive heart failure, COPD, smoking, asthma. These are pre-existing conditions. These are things uh, that leave a person susceptible to even the most basic cold virus. There are people that get sick every day from basic cold viruses just like COVID-19, that aren't COVID-19. So the point I'm making is that there is a specific high-risk group, okay? There's people like the patient I mentioned that got sick earlier in the year that had it. It was a cold virus for them, and they got over it. They have antibodies, probably spread it to some other people that had a cold and got over it. And there's no clear evidence that for that person it was particularly deadly, it was a cold virus. However, for this highest risk population, I want to caution people that this is still a serious issue. This is not the time to decide that um, we're just gonna ease all restrictions and if you have major uh, medical issues like I've mentioned, you're still at risk for catching this. This virus isn't going anywhere. It's going to recirculate. It's going to be something we have to change how we behave. And I want you to tell you a few things you can do because this, this is what you control. Always you want to focus on not the situation and what's out of your control, but what you can control. The first thing is that you can wear masks. And I've seen everybody has the custom masks now and the colorful masks, and and some of them are wearing their high-end medical mask. I think that's gonna be a new norm. And I think that's gonna be a big part of social distancing in areas that we can't avoid being around other people. You're going to wear masks. you're going to wash your hands frequently. You're going to avoid concentrated areas of people. And uh, in some situations, perhaps even gloves or some type of uh, barrier on the hands uh, will be important. The next major thing exercise. You see, oh, good. Curtis is going to talk about exercise again. The reason I keep bringing that up is it's one of the major ways you can boost immunity. Like, why would you not do that? Does it make any sense not to do that? And by the way, staying at home in your house because you think you're social distancing and giving yourself another excuse not to exercise is not the re- that is not what people are being asked to do. You can go to a park and walk. Just don't be up in somebody's grill. Just don't go shake hands with every person you walk across in the park or stand 1 foot from somebody's face and have a conversation with them at the park. This is not what social distancing means you can get some sunshine you can be outside you can be physically active please move your body and your immune system will respond appropriately you can also cut sugar and processed foods from your diet this would op- this would help you optimize or even reverse dare i say type 2 diabetes because type 2 diabetes is a disease it's not it's a disease of lifestyle and it can be changed and if you know to you know we're getting to the point where Greater than 40 to 45% of our population have either signs of pre-diabetes or full-blown diabetes. I'm In the United, I'm speaking in the United States in particular. The reality of this is this can be reversed. Stop eating processed sugar. For God's sake, stick with meat, vegetables, and good fats. Stay away from pastries, cakes, sugars, soda, death in a can, uh, or excessive amounts of alcohol. This is a big way to boost your immunity. The next thing is sleep, and everybody, you I know, mean, I've done topics on this, and maybe I'll put a show note or something in here on the sleep topics I've done, but seven to nine hours of sleep boosts energy, boosts mood, boosts, and it, and it uh, also boosts overall um, energy and, 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 and immunity. So if you want a strong, robust immune system to fight the possibility of you being exposed to COVID-19, please get seven to nine hours of sleep. Stop staying up on Netflix till, you know, two in the morning. It isn't going to help you in the long run. Do the little things that matter, sleep, diet, exercise, and barrier protection, masks, social restriction to some extent, especially especially if you're high risk. And those are the people over 80 with pre-existing medical issues such as diabetes, heart disease, congestive heart failure, COPD, or any kind of immune suppressant uh, situations like people that are on lupus medications and things like that. So things that I think medical teams should be cons- uh, considering at this time keep using telemedicine. If you think you're sick, don't go walk into a you know a, a clinic and try to be seen. Call first or do telemedicine first. Keep clinics open for non-sick people. I think this is key. I was really disappointed whenever um, several of our specialists in our community just closed their doors. And I guess they, they wrote it off as, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing elective procedures. There's still people with colon cancer. There's still people with heart disease. The number one cause of death this year is not going to be COVID-19 in the world. It's going to be heart disease, diabetic-related diseases, cancer, and all these other things. We have to keep treating the things that are actually killing people. Otherwise, we're going to have casualties that are like secondary casualties of COVID-19. We as physicians have to step up and treat these people and be creative, use telemedicine, use different protocols in our clinic. But for God's sakes, we need to treat these people and not scare them into where they don't come for medical care um, because of how we run our clinic or because of um, inappropriate fear of COVID-19 being the biggest problem. I think we ought to have masks in clinics, obviously, and we should step up our hygiene and cleaning of the clinics and spacing arrangements of patients within a clinic. Um, I think we should be in a situation where we realize that the biggest risk is that people are going to ignore this. They're gonna get in large congregations, they're gonna spread it, and then they're gonna go back and visit their elderly family member, or they're just going to flatly uh, think that because uh, the government is restricting things that it's because the, it, there's some kind of all clear. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm trying to be realistic and explain to you that COVID-19, it's not like it goes away. It's the same thing as the flu virus. Every year we have a vaccine, right? And we have to change the vaccine every year for the for influenza because it sort of morphs and changes year to year. Well, the problem with uh, the the situation with influenza is that it doesn't go away. We never we never assume we're going to stop it. We just try to pop. We just try to improve immunity to the herd, the mass of people, if we can, by immunizing who the sickest and at highest risk. That's why there's guidelines for diabetics and people with heart failure and COPD to actually get. Uh, you know in a, you know an injection even though they're ineffective sometimes the 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 flu vaccine every year we try to get people to do that because um, we want to improve herd immunity to a uh, virus so i i think that i i beat that up probably at this point but i wanted to give an update as i've seen these easing of restrictions and ironically we're starting to see more cases in in a local clinic like ourselves and we're starting to see evidence that as people are getting tested that there probably have been a whole lot more people. So that's a good news, bad news thing. There's a lot more people that have probably already been exposed to it. It probably crept into our community already uh, many months ago. And some people have probably already been, you know, um, exposed so think about getting IgG testing if you can uh, that would that's the uh, antibody testing just to see if you maybe have already been exposed that would be kinda of helpful news and then secondly if you are at high risk please continue to use precautions be careful where you go wash your hands cover your face and if you don't need to go somewhere don't if, but do not ex, do not ignore your chronic medical issues, and do the things I mentioned that you can do, that you can control. Be positive, be social with other people, but at a distance. And if you are healthy and well and low risk, please do the best you can to support others in your community. I hope this has been helpful. If it is, you can please leave a comment in our community site. Uh, the Future Focus Health Network. We do have a whole um, topic there dedicated to COVID-19. Generally, there's positive information, and I tried to keep that area clean of hyperbole and ridiculous um, fear-mongering about uh, what is basically a um, you know fairly straightforward medical issue. So at any rate, uh, I will end there, and I wish you all the best week, and um, be safe.